Welcome to the 5G Techvitory podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. So, welcome everybody to the 5G Techvitory 2022 warm-up podcast sessions. This is our first one of the series, and. Uh, for this re- year, we are very excited that we're going to focus the theme of the conference to future life. Therefore, all our podcasts will have this theme. And as we prepare for the 5G Secretary, which will start on November 29th, we will uh, keep producing more and more content and putting it in our uh, podcast stream. Since we're talking about future life, no one better to start this series than uh, Leslie Shannon from Nokia, who is uh, uh, the scouter of new technologies. But Leslie, let me uh, let you introduce yourself, please. Yeah, so hi, Marios. It's a real pleasure to be here today. Um, So I'm Leslie Shannon. I'm Nokia's head of ecosystem and trend scouting, and I'm located in Silicon Valley in California. And my role is to look at Uh, the new technologies that are coming. And because Nokia, you know, you may remember us as a mobile phone maker. We don't make phones anymore, but what we do make is the network equipment that uh, we sell to phone companies and to other large enterprises that want to run their own telecommunications networks. And, um, And so what I'm doing is I'm looking at the new technologies that are, uh, going to require some kind of telecommunications component, and so that we can understand. Then, and then I bring that information back to both Nokia and our customers, so that we can make sure that we're building the telecommunications networks that are going to support these new technologies of what's coming. And because it, communications is um, is so vital to so many of the new spectacular innovations that are coming, I actually find that that puts us right at the middle of some of the most exciting innovations that are going to be coming um, to affect the lives of all of us over the next decade. Wonderful. You're just the right person to have this discussion. And uh, we obviously don't want to sound too sci-fi in this discussion, but we will talk about the future. So some of the some of the topics will be a little futuristic. No matter what, the future is going to happen. And everybody, I think, suspects that with, if we're looking at the horizon of five to ten years or even further, we are seeing that technology is progressing faster and faster, and we will try to do our best to guess and predict what some of these trends will be. But I am the first one to recognize that we're probably not the right people uh, to dream in the future, but children should be the ones that dream it. And therefore, uh, in the 5G Territory 2022, we will try to involve children as well in the discussion, so they can also give us their own opinion. Uh, Marius, I, I could not agree more in, in my own trend scouting. I have to say that I get a lot of uh, the inspiration for what's going to be important from looking at my own children. If I, you know, if I didn't have kids, I would be a much less good futurist. <laughs> Same with me. <laughs> you know, it's one of my one of my friends jokes that I have like this permanent focus group, <laughs> which is my two boys. <laughs> it's true. Absolutely. 
I'm, I'm also stealing ideas uh, from them as, as I go. But the main topics we're going to touch today is, is a little bit of overall trends of technology, autonomous vehicles, drones, robots, and of course, the, the, the buzzword of the year, which is the metaverse. So can I dive right into my questions, Leslie? Absolutely. Bring them on. Good. Excellent. So question number one, which are the hottest trends that you are observing over there in Silicon Valley and in other places that you are watching? <laughs> well, I, all the things that you just mentioned are definitely definitely going on and but in a way that we can actually see them becoming real um i mean we really do i i see autonomous cars driving around over here like every day um uh they they always have a person behind the wheel but you know the cars with stuff on the roof that's uh from all kinds of different companies including lots of companies that you don't really see the headlines about there is just a huge amount of development in that area and <clears throat> And and but but I think the the real game changer is actually the, the and the one that's kind of going to be shifting a lot of things is the whole combination of metaverse and Web three. That's that's really what's getting a huge amount of attention right now. Okay, wonderful. Let's dive a little bit more into each one of these then. Okay, starting with the market. I mean, I think in Europe and and especially here where we are in the Baltics region. They're also starting to see some uh, some cool trends of, uh, of of changes in mobility. But how ready do you think is the market for autonomous autonomous vehicles and autonomous uh, mobility? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of, bar of of barriers here that really need to be overcome. Um, one is uh, regulatory. I mean, that's going to be a battle. You know, in every single different country, um, but you know, but that's that'll that'll something that will be dealt with over time. Um, mm -hmm. But then, just 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 people's trust, uh, general trust of of these vehicles, and that's true for a lot of new technologies. Creating that level of trust um, is something that doesn't happen overnight. One thing that um, that Sprint, um, the phone company here in the United States that was acquired by T-Mobile a few years ago, um, one of the things that they did that I thought was really smart was they um, they have a big technology park um, in outside of Atlanta called Peachtree Corners, and it's you know it's this really gigantic area of lots of buildings, and um, they they covered it was one of their first 5G test areas, so they put 5G everywhere, and um, and they worked with a company called uh, Tortoise e-scooters, and these are autonomously driven or rather let me put it another way sorry remotely driven um, scooters, and the way that this worked was that um, you know you as a user you would step outside of your office building and if you wanted to go somewhere else in Peachtree Corners, you would use an app and you would call the scooter to come to you, and the scooter would drive itself to you. But it wasn't actually driving itself. What it was, was it has a 360 camera on it, and the visual feed is being sent over 5G to a driver who is sitting in Mexico City, where it's cheaper than Atlanta <laughs> to hire people to do this. And um, uh, and then... And, and then so they're the ones who are remote, sorry, remotely driving the scooter to you. And then you get on the scooter and then you take over and you drive the scooter to where you want to go. And then you get off and then the, the Mexico City driver takes over again and then drives the scooter either to the next person or back to the charging station. There were a couple of things about this that were really intelligently done. First of all, by starting with a scooter, that way 
um, as I said, Sprint started this and then T-Mobile took over the project. They were able to start getting people accustomed to the idea of this mechanical thing going around by itself. On its own. <laughs> on its own, right. And so the pictures, you know, the, the photographs from the first day of the launch are like just people standing then on the side of the street watching the scooter go by going, oh, my God. Um, uh, and so, so, so getting people used to it, but with something small, because if, if, say, there was some kind of glitch or some kind of error and the scooter pushes into something, okay, the worst that happens is maybe somebody gets a bruise on their leg. So, so starting slow, both in terms of working out the technology and in terms of getting people used to seeing these things going around. And then, but then as they got, as they were able to prove out the technology and like, okay, 5G is good for this. Um, uh, then over time, they actually have now upgraded to cars and it's the same um, structure and these are cars coming from a company named beep and, um, and it's the same idea of a remote driver in this case the drivers are sitting in florida so so now you know they're closer but they're still hundreds of miles away with 5g is that last connection as these cars are are, are driving around as a shuttle system around peachtree corners because they were able to get people used to the idea with the smaller things and because when people saw the scooters, they were very, you know, they did a lot of publicity about the fact there is a human being behind this and that mm. also helped people understand. So, so this idea of kind of taking people gradually into the technology in both ways that lets the technology providers learn in a way, in a, in a safer zone and getting the society used to this new thing in a in a in a much less threatening kind of way and then after a few years pass now they actually have the full the full on autonomous vehicles and so i think that kind of way of easing into it is a really intelligent blueprint for how we can actually introduce a lot of services that might seem kind of like science fiction scary if you just talk about the full blown uh, uh thing from the start Wonderful. I mean, th thanks for all that exciting stuff. I didn't know that the, the U.S. is really so so advanced and keep progressing in this. And especially because I know that in the U.S. usually the you have a lot of liability issues that need to be worked way worse than in Europe. I know. In Europe, like, doesn't really matter. <laughs> but in the U.S., your lawyers are a little bit more uptight. So <laughs> maybe tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is a very, uh, you know, litigious society, which, you know, means that everybody is ready to sue everybody else at every moment. And, and, that, and that does, uh, you know, that does actually provide a bit of a break on innovation, for sure. And, and so, um, you know, which to me, you know, my, my message to Europe is, you know, that's something that doesn't hold Europe back. And so, you know, there's an opportunity there for Europe to actually be more forward leaning um, with, with some of the innovations uh, that, that might be a little slow to develop in the United States. So, so Europe, go for it, you know, take the opportunity. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's, how, that's what our role as the 5G Territory is. We, we, we build exactly. ecosystems and we want to make the connection uh, as, as, solid and quick as possible and that's what we're doing in our direct discussion with you from the silicon valley so we hope a lot of people hear you and definitely we will have the opportunity during the the forum in november to to discuss this and push the envelope forward even even faster let's move on let's move on to drones another interesting mm. topic yeah 
Uh, whenever you hear the, the, the story about drones, then everybody's uh, imagining about automated deliveries and uh, sort of like the fifth element type of picture outside your window with drones <laughs> flying in different layers, you know what I mean? So wh where are we with that? I mean, are, are people really delivering with drones and, and what's, what's the story there? Yeah, I mean, I'm reading reports about this kind of thing all the time about how companies like Amazon and, and Walmart are, are actively out there uh, uh, experimenting with drone deliveries, and that's just increasing. Um, I personally haven't haven't seen that or experienced that yet. So, but I'm I'm looking forward to to the time when I do. But I think there's also there's a lot of um, where we're actually seeing or where I'm seeing a lot of drone activity as well, is in um, uh, visual analytics in enterprise areas where um, companies are using drones. So, like indoor farming, uh, where you've got you know plants stacked on trays up to the ceiling in a, in a big warehouse kind of space, using drones to actually to move on automated paths, um, using visual analytics to check on the well-being of all the plants and all the trays. So kind of, you know, going, going back and forth and kind of, you know, looking at every plant, you know, every day and, and, cool. and using, using visual analytics to then flag up with like, oh, you know, tray 392, you know, looks like it needs more water or, or whatever. But also that same um, kind of thing where we're seeing drones also being used flying on automated paths to do with, um, warehouse inventory. <clears throat> so in this case, the, uh, the visual analytics would be a barcode reader. So just, you know, a drone flying through a warehouse on an automated path, you know, once a day to be able to, um, uh, to be able to do your inventory and make sure that that everything is up to date, um, and so so that that drone plus visual analytics for areas that are difficult to get to um, is something that we're seeing quite a lot of. Um, and another drone uh, really interesting implementation that I've seen is British Telecom. One of the services, one of the drone services that they're providing to their customers, is um, is anti drone. Um, services. So, you know, imagine you have, I don't know, some big industrial installation like a, a, a oil refinery or something. <clears throat> BT actually offers drone services that kind of patrol the perimeter of your important installation that you don't want any enemy drones coming into. And so now this really starts si sounding scientific. Wow, I mean, wars. or science fiction. <laughs> yeah, drone wars, exactly. But, uh, but you know, just kind of keeping an eye on the sky and making sure that no, you know, somebody who shouldn't be there um, isn't there. And that's the kind of thing that I think we might see increasingly around areas where it really does matter that, that no drones are there, you know, whether malicious or just accidental. So around uh, airports, for example, Heathrow has had traffic grounded a couple of times by, by you know, somebody flying a drone nearby. I think Los Angeles Airport had the same problem. Um, uh, or even stadiums. Like it's, it's, I, I actually live quite near the, uh, uh, the Levi's Stadium, which is where the San Francisco 49ers play. And, and, you know, and it, there's big signs outside the stadium saying it's illegal to fly drones over the stadium, especially during a football game, because they don't want anybody doing a, a, you know, a rogue broadcast of the, uh, of the game. Uh, well, and, you know, one way that, that they could absolutely make sure that that happens is during games, they could have little, you know, a little drone ring fence, um, just to make sure that there's no, no, uh, drones that shouldn't be there. Uh, so, so yeah, so all kinds, you know, drones shooting with each other out of the sky with lasers. That's not quite where we are. <laughs> but, <laughs> We're uh, getting there faster yeah. than we were hoping, actually. 
<laughs> but you know, but where you have drones, you you know, you might also need anti-drones, and so so yeah, so we're we're seeing that as well. Fascinating. I I just wanted to confirm that I mean, as the Czech rhetoric were very connected with Gutma, which is you know like the International Association for Drone Operators. We will have them at the conference. Oh, but I can uh, confirm with you that in the telecom industry, the drones are used already for video surveillance. For example, to, you know, if, if an antenna or a site has a problem, instead of having to send up there a very high altitude, a person, you just go with a drone and watch if, you know, the cable is off or something obvious. Uh, is the problem. So I've seen that as well going on. Yeah, absolutely. So field service, especially where it's difficult or dangerous to send a human being. Uh, in fact, mm -hmm. on that on that same category, uh, another drone use that I've seen just recently, um, T-Mobile here in the States, they have partnered with a company um, that does um, that uses drones to do window washing. So you attach a hose to the drone and it's this big drone and it you know it goes up and it can do you know window washing and also power washing to clean buildings um and uh and that replaces you know window washers who are hanging from the roof of the building in this little bucket off the side of the building and um and that has the potential to actually save human lives because that's you know it's a pretty dangerous thing to send a human into that, into that area so you know so great let's let's do that with a drone yeah I was I was wondering about those brave souls that know. Uh, you know can, can have that the guts to go up there. But okay, we're we're already identifying very interesting friends. Uh, let's keep going even more sci-fi. Then what about robots? Yeah, a lot of movies about uh, robots and uh, personal assistants or even more personal friends uh, hanging around. So what's up with robots, Leslie? <laughs> <laughs> it's well, I mean, we're really seeing, of course, robots increasingly used in um, in enterprise situations, particularly in in, you know, just just increasingly in manufacturing situations and, and warehouse uh, management situations. You know, I don't know if you've seen a film of how um, Amazon manages their warehouse with their little um, little robots that actually, I don't know, they're they're, you know, maybe. 20 centimeters tall and they roll around on the floor and they actually carry the shelving units of 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 things to the people to the pickers the people who are actually filling the boxes it's it's really amazing um the the stuff that's already here with all that avocado case for example right that's what you're referring to if you've seen that one it's like uh yeah those are those little robots that go out, around on a grid kind of thing right yeah exactly exactly and they're all you know maneuvering around each other and everything and so that's you know that's but the the um uh but the real story with um with robots is is really the the ai the artificial intelligence that powers them and um and and there we're starting to see, like, I think the state of New York just announced last week that they're going to be using, um, uh, they're going to be doing a trial where they put 800 um, robots in the homes of elderly people to help prevent loneliness. And so these are the kinds of robots that are more interactive style robots rather than, you know, a robot to accomplish a task. It's this kind of an emotional support robot. And this is something that we've, that we've seen going in Japan and Korea where already for a while, where there's kind of a greater social acceptance of, of you know, robots in the home. We'll see if, uh, you know, the 800 trials 
tell people in New York that they, in New York State, that they choose um, if they accept these these robots or if they if they reject them. I mean, that'll be a very interesting social um, social Whoa. case. Yeah, yeah. It's but one of the. Um, uh, but since this is 5G territory, since we've just been talking about drones and robots, I think it's important to talk about 5G for just a second here. Um, both drones and robots uh, are really going to be significant um, beneficiaries of 5G as 5G develops. And part of the reason that we have not yet seen this is that uh, we're still waiting on the chip development because um, uh, every new technology um, it only really takes off when it, if it solves a problem. Oh, excuse me. And so, so for example, a lot of the problems that we used to have have been solved by us having smartphones in our our, our pockets and on our on our person. Um, and however, every new technology also brings with it the next wave of problems. And the problems that we now have with our smartphones is that they have these very expensive. Um, uh, very powerful but very expensive chips in them, you know, the literal silicon chips in them. Um, but they also they also cost a lot of money and they generate a lot of heat. And so those three problems, the cost, the heat, and the, um, sorry, the short battery life, those three problems are problems that a lot of different um, manufacturers of end devices of all different kinds are wrestling with. And drones and robot companies are absolutely right up there. And so they are looking to 5G to be able to solve this by being able to have a much, a greatly reduced chip in that end device so that you have something that provides only the minimum processing needed for the, the basic functions of that end device. And then using 5G to link to the rest of the brain, if you will, the rest of the chip, the rest of the system sitting somewhere in the network. So, so by that, you get end devices that are um, cheaper, they don't get as hot, and the battery lasts much longer. But you don't sacrifice any of the processing. In fact, you get access to more computer abilities by connecting to servers or a whole stack of servers sitting in the network. And that, that um, and I call that splitting the chip because we're splitting the big silicon chip that sits in our smartphones today. That is work that is going on right now. Companies like Qualcomm are actually doing the R&D for what processes need to go on that drone or that robot um, necessarily, what can you not live with that? And then what processes can safely come a few milliseconds of latency away, connected over 5G, but sitting in the network? And so, so as we see those chipsets develop, that is actually where we're going to see, number one, 5G really take a role in, in doing a lot more support of robot and drone development. But also, in, in we're going to see an explosion of implementations of these as those chipsets develop and as, as 5G usage continues to grow. Wow. That, that is so enlightening and it's a little bit of an answer of the kind of like the people that are really asking, okay, what do we need 5G? We're getting exactly. There. Yeah, we're getting there. It's not, <laughs> right. It's, yeah, it's not. Yeah, and, and it's right. So the, so the revolutionary thing that 5G is bringing hasn't happened yet. We've built the networks, but we're still waiting on the chipsets so that the full end devices. And so a, a good analogy here is, you know, uh, we built the 3G networks, but the 3G networks didn't really take off until the iPhone came out. And then everyone's like, oh, now we get what this is for. Oh, mobile data. Okay, this is all right. We, we understand this now. So so we're still waiting for the 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 split chip end devices in a lot of different categories to come and truly fulfill the full potential of 5G. 
Awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. And where we are again going to be touching on all these topics during, <clears throat> uh, during the 5G territory, seeing where the status of the industry is. We, we had it last year because uh, it was identified that all these, you know, like end device, the, the, the sort of device that really goes on the drone seem to be the bottleneck. And I, I think that that problem is not getting easier. It, it's getting it's getting more difficult. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're going to yeah. be asking we're going to be asking our robots and drones to do increasingly complex tasks um, fulfilled by artificial intelligence. But if the drones and the robots are going to be affordable and uh, uh, and intelligent, the only way that you do that is by moving the processing, you know, into the network. And the thing is that, you know, quite often especially if you have a minimum um, um, chip in that end device, the ex most expensive element is actually the processing. And by moving it into the network, that also gives you the advantage of having a single processing unit being able to support multiple drones and robotics mm -hmm. so that you actually only have one instance of the pricey part of the expensive part and then multiple end units out there that can actually draw on that same um, instance of computing in the network. Oh, and more efficient, I guess, right? So that's absolutely, another, that's another, absolutely, uh, yeah, exactly. Going towards the whole sustainability and probably more towards the more sec security aspects of uh, of the story, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because another one of the questions that I get a lot of times is, um, you know, why why do we need five G? Because Wi Fi is everywhere. <laughs> and so, yeah. so, um, and so, security <laughs> security is a big a big I answer had to a that. Discussion today, actually, <laughs> that same discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, sure, there is tons of stuff that Wi-Fi and and 4G can do, but you need 5G specifically if you are dealing with um, a low latency use case, and so drone and robotic control would definitely fall into that. You don't want any delays if you're like, you know, connect communicating with something that's out there working remotely, um, and if you even it needs to be secure, if you need to make sure that nobody can hack your communication between you and that system, Wi-Fi is open, you know, anybody can come along and, you know, mess with it, but 5G is secure. Wonderful. Great. Okay, so let's now come towards the most sci-fi of, uh, of all topics, the, the metaverse. Uh, people have different opinions of what the metaverse is, uh, and I, I think we're in the very early beginning. Some of the early activities seem weird to many of us, uh, and a lot of money is going into places that I personally wouldn't be putting my money, but other people are just fine to, to go ahead, you know what I mean? So let's let's take it a step at a time, right? Um, what uh, What are your initial thoughts in all these, you know, like, NFTs, digital assets, the, how it connects to the Bitcoin, blah blah. What, just watching it from your position of uh, of the at the forefront. What 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 do you think? What do you see? Yeah, well, if we're we're talking about the metaverse, there's two two main elements of this, and one is the 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 user experience, the visual kind of thing, and so so let let's put that to one side right moment and, and come back to that. The other is the economic side of it, which is what you've just asked about, um, and and again, um, you know, uh, for me when I'm looking at new technologies that arise, my my measuring stick is always 
does this solve a problem? Does this solve a problem in a way that is better than anything has come before? Um, and, and so, you know, if that's the case, then, then yes, there's, there's good potential here. And so looking at the whole, um, the whole economic side of, of crypto and, and what it enables, from my point of view, um, cryptocurrencies, um, uh, and and especially the speculative aspect of those, um, I'm I'm not that excited about those. I mean, sure, you can gamble on the stock market too. You can gamble on cryptocurrency. You know, fine. It, you know, it's I, I I don't see anything there to back up any kind of value. So I'm really hesitant about that. But NFTs on their own, that is a separate story because. One of the really important aspects of an NFT, and so, you know, and, and an NFT, of course, is a, a digital good that, you know, can't be copied. It has its own unique identity. And so it can be uh, something visual, uh, it, you know, it could be a, a, a single element, it could be a video, it could be a piece of music, it can be, you know, a news story, there's all kinds, you know, anything digital can be made into an NFT. But the thing is that because NFTs have this unique digital identity, Part of that digital identity means that the name, uh, well, the identity of the creator, is 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 baked in to that NFT, and and any time that NFT changes hands over the lifetime of the NFT, the original creator gets a cut of whatever that sale price was, and this solves a problem for creators. Because um, you know what was it the uh, the Andy Warhol painting of uh, of Marilyn Monroe that just recently sold for 190 million dollars? Um, Andy Warhol, okay, he's dead. Andy Warhol's estate did not see any of that money, right? And so right now, when you create art or any kind of thing and you sell it, the artist only gets that initial sale revenue. But which and that's a problem for creatives having being able to, to realize revenue over the lifetime of whatever your creation is. NFTs solve that problem. So anytime this piece of music or this, this, you know, this digital piece of art, anytime in the future that it changes hands, the artist makes a small bit of revenue from it on into the future. And that solves that revenue generation problem for creatives. And so, so and I think this is actually something that's going to completely unleash and we've already seen it it's already started to completely unleash the digital creative marketplace so you know we get um uh you know and 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 especially you mentioned children before we've got uh the platforms like Fortnite or especially Roblox where kids are creating fashion items and then selling them to other kids uh that digital creative uh way as a, a genuine earns of meaning a living, uh, that's actually something that's totally new, but I think is going to be, you know, that is definitely one of the careers of the future, uh, you know, digital artist. And because of the structure of NFTs, that means that it's going to be something that it, it, it will become more financially possible to actually make a living as an artist in the future, which is something that I am very excited about. Technology is not just for scientists. Technology that enables um, the creative uh, and rewards uh, the creativity of artists, I think, is the best technology of all. Yes, uh, I think uh, that's what we're also very excited uh, as, as 5G Territory. And... Uh, 
I mean, when we started seeing these trends, like the first wow moment for me was the Ariana Grande, you know, uh, you know, concert in the Fortnite, Fortnite. concert. Yeah. yeah, exactly. During the pandemic. And, and then I saw how many millions of kids joined and it entertained them during the time that we didn't know what to do with them, actually. Uh, that, was, <laughs> that was a fantastic thing. It was a wow moment. The other one was, um, I mean, for, for people who like fashion, I realized that last year's uh, Balenciaga collection was launched in Fortnite and special hoodies, and then kids could go and get the hoodies to wear them in the Fortnite. So even if it doesn't make sense to us, they are willing to spend maybe hundreds of, uh, of euros and dollars to get that hoodie. So it's not up to us to say what's going to be cool in the future. I think we're saying the same thing, yeah? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mentioned my kids before. My kids spend far more on digital goods than they spend on physical goods. No question. Yeah. And... Mine too. Mine too. The only problem is that it's not their money. It's my money, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, my kid, my uh, my older son, um, he he actually has a job, and so he's working in the local ice cream parlor, and so he makes money, and then he spends it online, and uh, you know that's 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 the way it goes, and and um, but it's it's it, and it may seem kind of strange to us, but it it is a whole new economy, and and it really is um, an indication that um, that the things that are happening digitally. Um, are just as real as the things that are happening in our world physically. So, so when I speak about you know digital worlds versus physical worlds, I do use those terms. I don't talk about the real world versus the digital world because the things that happen in the digital world are real. Money is changing hands. Careers are being made. Um, experiences are being had, um, and they're just as real for the fact that they take place with a lot of electro electrons, uh, you know, as opposed to something that we can touch and feel out here in our physical world. But in our minds, you know, it's just as real. And you mentioned that Ariana Grande concert in Fortnite. I found it fascinating to watch how the concert um, experiences of Fortnite have developed um, over time. Like the, one of the first ones was DJ Marshmallow. And in that one, that concert in Fortnite, uh, which is a couple of years ago now, it might have been 2019, I think. Um, it was what the experience was, you know, you're in Fortnite, but here's a stage and here's DJ Marshmallow on the stage and you with your avatar, you're in the audience. And, and, and they did some things with gravity and you could fly around a little bit, but it was really, it was a very recognizable concert experience. Now, fast forward a couple of years to the Ariana Grande concert last year, it, they like realized like, oh, we can actually completely, we don't need to have a stage. We have this digital world. We can make it be anything we want. And and they did. And so there's, you know, flying through the clouds. And with Travis Scott, there was a lot of underwater kinds of stuff. But they even had a game where in the middle of the Ariana Grande concert, you could be shooting things and see what your high score is while Ariana is singing. And so it really became this interactive, um, you know, just exploration of of all kinds of different formats of entertainment all mashed up into one. And that, for me, when we get away in our digital world from simply replicating what's with us in the physical world, that's when we start really approaching 
the true possibilities of these formats. Like I'm really tired of seeing NFT galleries that look like art galleries. I know why, why we already have art galleries in this world. Let's do something different in the digital world because there are no rules. We make the rules. And so, you know, why do we always have to have gravity in, in our worlds? You know, anyway, <laughs> I think, I think, I think we are in, in, in kind of, in terms of our digital representations of things, I think it's like we're it's as though we're in the early days of television where the first television shows, they really just filmed stage plays and they hadn't really realized, oh, you can move the cameras and you can do close ups and you can you know do wow. all these kinds of things. And so I, and so we're going to look back at the kinds of things that are being created digitally now and go, oh, we spent all our time recreating <laughs> the real world. We didn't like we had not realized we don't need to do that <laughs> because we don't. <laughs> That's so cool. Well. Wow. Fantastic. I mean, you're, you're really helping us dreams get, 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 get out of the ordinary uh, here with our bounds and we will soon realize that, that we should be less bounded. I think, I think that's, that's what you're saying. Exactly. Uh, I mean, as, as the 5G territory, we are also ourselves trying to move away from the, from the kind of like boring connectivity in, onto, into how this is, is more and more taking a life of its own and maybe leaving us behind, uh, you know, in the dust. J just a reminder to everybody that last year we were super honored to have Epic Games actually in one of our discussions. And, and more and more we're trying to involve this kind of more digital forefront people. Uh, th this year I'm trying to, to get some, some kind of like digital fashion artists. So if anyone is listening to this, definitely reach out to us and you know in the end we want the territory to be less of techie nerds like me and more <laughs> of fashionistas like the balciaga people you know absolutely absolutely and it's the the union of um of technology and and the creative element yeah, that's me. actually where we really start seeing like yeah. really exciting change yeah I'm very, I'm very excited to see. It. I think the UK is pushing the envelope there. You know, the digital catapults and and the London School of Fashion. They're, they're doing unbelievable things. And even I believe that Verizon launched a lab called the Riot Lab in London, where they're you know pushing the envelope with re, with uh, like kind of like retail and and things like that. So we're absolutely agreeing that we're in the very beginning of a big revolution here and i think you agree as well right absolutely absolutely and and you know and i really i really want to emphasize you know the importance of creativity going forward because all too often it's kind of assumed that uh you know the future or you know technology uh, is something that leaves artists behind and and no the new technologies that are coming out are actually going to be enabling artists as never before and so we're really in for um, an explosion of creativity and an, an enablement of creativity that is really going to enrich all of us. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I think we've said a lot, a so interesting conversation, certainly one of the most interesting uh, that, that I had this year. Uh, I hope that our listeners understand that, that we're headed towards more a world of creativity and us, I guess, uh, you know, the, the techies were fascinated as well by it. This is our first podcast in the series. So hopefully if you've got, uh, you know, 
artist friends or, or young people you want to excite, please point them towards our podcast and, and, and ensure that we're not just going to be talking about, uh, you know, deep technology, but really the implications <laughs> of the technology into society. Yeah. Leslie, it was better than I expected. Uh, I mean, obviously you are, uh, you know, our, our ears and, and eyes there in Silicon Valley. You've given us things we haven't heard before, new concepts, new uses of technology and how that actually impacts society, plus the new fantastic business models that this creates that probably, you know, we will not benefit from, but it, it's creating a whole new uh, area of creativity. So, Leslie, thank you so much for, for being our first guest here, and I think more exciting things are coming. Uh, uh, under the umbrella of the 5G territory. Thank you very much. Thank you, Marios. It's been my pleasure. Cheers. <laughs>